Yeah, you know what you can get me, Pee-wee? What? El hombre. First of all, as a service to the listeners, this is an absolute forget about it. El hombre. He's a pariah. I mean, it's like going after raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. El hombre. I would say we are always eager to hear from this man each and every week, but maybe more so, not maybe, more so this week than most. Because did he, did we're he looking, hang up while I was waiting, maybe? Well, we're, we're going to check in with him. We're going to check in with him and get a review of your snapshot there. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is El Hombre. Michael Bradley, what did you? Th- Dave was very proud of his update there. I, I have to admit, Michael, I wasn't actually paying attention, so I don't know what it was he said. But he's very, very pleased with himself right now. I don't think he knows the meaning of the word chagrin. Do you see what Jonathan Gannon did in the Super Bowl? We're glad. Leave. I'll drive him to. I'm going to drive to Arizona myself. Put the top down. Put some uh, Beach Boys on it. We're heading west. Get out. Okay. You we're horrible. He got completely out coached. Completely overrun. Before we get into the big game, um, I have some business I have to conduct. Josh Conley. Remember last week I said there was a guy, a Chiefs fan, who said to me he was rooting for the Chiefs and I was going to rip him off if, if the Eagles won? Right. Well, the Eagles lost. So, Josh Conley, uh, you guys won. A hell of a game. Big Red celebrated with a mushroom, mushroom and sausage pizza. Really? And uh, he outcoached the birds. The the Chiefs did a great job. Eagles made a couple key mistakes. So my hats off to a Chiefs kingdom. Look at that. That's a man who's who's who just stands up and, and he'll Josh, dish it out, but he'll take it as well. I, I hope he was listening. Yeah. Well, if he wasn't, that's his loss. I'm only doing it once. Well, only yeah, once. he can go I back and be gracious, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> he can go back and listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But yeah, good on you for for standing up and owning that. But let's let's get into the game and. Uh, the mood out there, you know, obviously everybody's talking about the penalty and that's why they lost. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they also had four possessions in the second half. The Chiefs did went touchdown, 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 field goal. So, yeah, and the only reason they went field goal was they didn't want to score a touchdown. Exactly. They didn't want to give the ball back to the Eagles. Look, there, there. you can, first of all, it was a penalty. If they were just running next to each other and, and he grabs a, a little bit of, of jersey, that's one thing. But he was the, the receiver's trying to do a double move, and the jersey grab impeded his ability to do that. Oh, you don't call it then? No. So, so it's just the Wild West at that point, right? Uh, offensive lineman can hold with impunity. You hit the quarterback in the head with a sledgehammer. You come out and cut somebody's foot off with a circular saw. Everything goes because it's the end of the Super Bowl. No, that's not how it works. The real reasons. Jalen Hurts played a remarkable game, four touchdowns, more than 300 yards uh, through the air, ran uh, for more than 50 yards, but he, he, he dropped the ball that led to a, you know, picked up for a defensive touchdown. That hurts. L- longest kick re- punt return in the history of the Super Bowl. Uh, low line drive punt from a bad punter who had been on the DL, uh, excuse me, IL, bad coverage. So th- that was our awful. Andy Reid realizing, okay, he's going to, the Eagles are going to play their safeties way back and they're going to play a six-man box up front. We'll run it down their throats more than 110 yards on the ground, and then we're not going to, we're not going to get them with uh, the deep throw stuff, so we'll just short motion them like crazy and throw uh, underneath, and they won't be able to deal with it because they can't find the guys. So it was, it was a, a masterful job of coaching by Reed. It was a poor job of coaching by Gannon and playing by the, uh, the defense of the, of the uh, Eagles. And uh, two crucial errors that led to uh, the Kansas City win. 
It's a very reasonable response. <clears throat> yeah, it is. We did not expect that from you, Michael. Um, but, <laughs> expected yeah. to be spitting fire at these officials and wanting home yeah, addresses. <laughs> well, I, I'm with you on they got out coached. I mean, and and not so much that the Eagles. I mean, you could say they're terrible, but you know, I thought that the the offensive coaches on the side of Kansas City really did a good job. I think their defensive coach is very good too. So it just it, it well, always. I mean, they gave up 35 points, and if the Eagles, you know, I, I think that that the defensive. If you look at Kansas City's win, the defense didn't have very much to do with it. Yeah, well, they scored a touchdown. They almost scored two actually. And well, then... they, they threw the ball to them. I mean, it's not like they came and hit the guy or made a great play. Hertz took the ball and threw it up in the air like it was covered in oleo, and and you know. <laughs> They, they just they just grabbed it. He sounds like a more severe version of Lefko right now. <laughs> Lefko is like very critical of his own teams. What's Olio? So, what is that? Olio is a margarine. Oh, okay. oh, that's what they put on the poles there in Philadelphia. No, no, they get they get lubricant for that one. What kind of lubricant? They actually, adult lubricant. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. How do they? The, I saw pictures of people at the top of those poles. How do they get up there? Want to. <laughs> Desire. You don't want it, son. Yeah. <laughs> what, what What about the the rest of the Super Bowl, Michael? What did you uh, What did you think of the halftime show and the commercials, the entertainment side? The week all around. The commercials weren't very good. I mean, I'm glad the E Trade baby's back. He's my favorite person. Um, I liked the one the one with Ozzy Osbourne in there where he goes, I made I did some dumb things in my life and I did enough dumb things for you too. <laughs> that wasn't bad. The Dave Grohl Canada one was pretty good. Um, I actually liked the one with Ben Affleck and J Lo on the the Dunkin' yeah, Donuts that thing. Was, that wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big Rihanna fan. Uh, from what I understand, my wife, who's in, enthralled with her, said that it was a pretty good um, pretty good performance. Um, I watched it. Um, I, look, I. I was sitting there at 6.30 angry because they said the game was going to start at 6.30, and then I had to listen to three songs, two videos, the whole nine. You know, it's like, <laughs> tell me it's going to start at 6.43, and I'll, I won't show up till 6.43. Yeah, yeah I, I thought uh, she showed a lot of moxie up there on that. I mean, that was up in the middle of – I mean, that was way high, and it looked like – I don't know what that platform was. It looked like it was like 10 by 6 or something like that. I mean, one of those cords goes, and I know that she's strapped on there. She had a little safety strap, but that took some – I mean, some nerves to not only perform in front of you know all these people on TV and here in the stadium, but – then to, that was that was impressive that part because I'm I'm scared of heights these days. I I agree with you and I mean I don't think her obstetrician was too happy with it. I mean she's <laughs> yeah. you know it comes out she's pregnant again so it's like yeah here's a good idea let's put a pregnant woman sixty feet in the air on a little platform that's that's that makes sense. Yeah. So what what do you uh, when you look at the game Michael and and the Eagles were the best in the business when it came to getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then you had a hobbled version, even though he, he had some nice nice moments out there in, in Mahomes and an O-line that really had a rough time of it against Cincinnati. So I was thinking, man, this this could get ugly with this with this Eagles defense. They didn't sack him once. What do you, no. do you is that more credit to the Chiefs or do you feel like the Eagles did something wrong? No, the the Chiefs look, the Chiefs offensive line was all week giving a backseat to the Eagles, right? They, they they kept saying, oh, the Eagles are the best offensive line in in football. The Eagles uh, are, you know, they, don't, they let up the fewest quarterback hits and all that, right? Well, the Chiefs' offensive line was really good. So you give them credit for that. And Andy Reid had plays set up, the short passes, so that Mahomes got rid of the ball quickly. 
you know, you need a few seconds to get to the quarterback unless it's a complete jailbreak, and the Chiefs weren't giving those up. So Mahomes got rid of the ball fast. The, the, the line held on for two, three seconds, and that was all they needed. Well, I was really looking forward to seeing Jason Kelsey dress up like a mummer again. That was trust me, uh, I was too. That was a beautiful <laughs> thing. But he's thirty-five now. Has there been some talk about him retiring, or is he? Oh yeah, I mean, going? it's a, some people thought he was going to retire last year. It took um, Nick Sirianni showed up at his house with a keg to try to get him to, uh, to <laughs> that. That helped him come back. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't draft Cam Jurgens last year just because they like guys from Nebraska, right? They, they wanted, they, they know they're going to need somebody that, as a, as a replacement for Kelsey. And um, it could be this, you know, he, you know, this Dave, after a season, if somebody asks you, are you going to play next year? Their first reaction is no, everything yeah. hurts. Right? right. Then you start to feel better. You, you know, the inflammation goes down, the soreness goes away and you start to say, yeah, I can do another year. That's what everybody's waiting to see with Kelsey. Then, I would figure in the next two weeks we'll learn. Yeah, I was going to say, and then you retire, and then like three years later you manage to get yourself in, in pretty good shape and think, I can go back and play again. Oh, wait, that's right. just me. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, and, and, yeah. You know, and that's why it's always funny. I, you always know when a guy is done, when he's in his 12th or 13th year, and he shows up for training camp and they say he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> that means he can't do anything football-wise. He might be able to run a de- <laughs> compete in a decathlon, but he's not going to play football. Well, he's had an amazing career. Oh, I mean, you look at... He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, 12 years, and I didn't realize this many Pro Bowls. He's been to eight Pro Bowls, all pro three times, including this last season. So, yeah, maybe a good time to walk away. Yeah, he's one of the greatest centers of all time. He, he's been the anchor of an outstanding offensive line, and he's a tremendous leader. See, that's the other thing, too. Centers are the ones who make the calls. Often, they're the ones who are, are the, the guys who are you know, sort of the ones that kind of anchor the line. They absolutely anchor the line, but he leads them. And the other thing is, they do things with him that they don't do with other centers. I mean, they pull him. He, he, he does a lot. He, he's very mobile. Plus, you saw in those sneak situations, he's getting low and knocking 325-pound yeah. guys back two feet, and he's got, he weighs 285. Yeah, that was impressive that he was able to get that low. And that, you know, that whole thing kind of defies uh, safety for your quarterback. I mean, you're, you got two guys basically shoving your quarterback into, yeah. you know, into the fray there. And, but uh, it seems to work. I mean, that's, I've not seen anything quite like that. Well, and it'll be interesting to see if they change the rules. Yeah. On that, um, the one thing, the one push I would have liked to have seen is when the Chiefs back or wide receiver, it was a back who broke free at the end of the game and he took a knee, went, you know, went down before he went in. If I'm the Eagles, I'm, I'm carrying him into the end zone. I'm, yeah. I'm pushing him <laughs> into the end zone so they get the ball back. And what I wanted to see, if he had scored a touchdown there and the Eagles got it back and scored, I'd be willing to bet you Sirianni would have given real serious thought to going for two. Yeah. So what what's the reaction from everybody out there to the coaches? You lose your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator. Is everybody good riddance? Get out of here. You blew it for us. Or is there some anybody lamenting their departure? What's the feeling out there? Well, no. Um, Shane Steichen, the, the offensive coordinator, is going to be a big loss. His his scheme that he came up with was perfect for Jalen Hurts and perfect for the, for the Eagles. He's going to be a big loss. Uh, they may elevate Johnson, the, um, the, the, the quarterback's coach, to uh, offensive coordinator, or they may go out and try to find somebody else. Um, the, the, the thing about Gannon, his, his defense was a little suspect all year. 
when you think about it. Remember, the Washington gashed him on Monday night, ran the ball right up their noses. Um, he had that whole, his whole thing was, we're going to play our safeties deep so that you can't get over the top of us. And it's a good idea because you say, all right, that means you're going to have to you know, matriculate the ball down the field for 10 or 11 plays in order to get in the end zone. You may do that a couple of times, but you're not going to do it every time. Oh, until the second half of the Super Bowl when the Chiefs did it every time. So his, his sort of philosophy can be replicated. He didn't blitz a lot, so it wasn't like he had exotic coverage schemes or anything. He played four men up front, sent them. He blitzed probably less than just about anybody else in the league. Um, the question with the Eagles now is, Cox is gone. Hargrave's a free agent. Bradbury's a free agent. CBJ's a free agent. The safety that they got. Um, you, you know, they have linebackers who are good but not great. Uh, Brandon Graham's a free agent. What are you going to do? Or how many guys are you bringing back? How much money are you going to spend? Because you've got to give Jalen Hurts a big fat court, uh, contract now. Did you use that phrase because of the Kansas City Chiefs and Hank Strand? Of course. Of course. the ball you. down the field, boys. Matriculate the ball, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, boy. Come on, Come on boys. boys. Huh, boys? Hey, how about that? Hey. Who's the mentor? Ha! Ah, 65 toss power trap. I broke wide open. Ah, <laughs> One of the best ever. <laughs> I remember he came out to, uh, when I was playing, he was doing games in the yeah. booth. And, uh, and I remember Reggie McKenzie was telling us that he was wearing a butt pad. You know, like, yeah, look at him. He's trying to he, – he's got no butt. And you know, the older pad. you get – you know this, Alombre. The older you get, the you know, your butt – I mean, it's tragic when you have to take your belt off at the at the airport. I mean, Not mine. I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm still it's still firm. I'm telling still, you, I still, still, got, oh, yeah. still packing heat back I got there? the butt of a 25-year-old. Oh, look at you, man. Well, that's <laughs> He also wore a, a – I mean, a really substantial toupee. Yeah. He had that, and then he had like a checkered or a plaid jacket that he would wear oh, all the time. He was his 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 um, sartorial splendor was always interesting. Hey, what what was the? Uh, I, I hesitate to even ask what the reaction of the fan base was because I saw some pictures. But what what's the story with them tipping cars before that the was, game? That was Temple students, morons. Nine of them tipping a car. They're trying to find them. I hope they do. They're all um, wearing Eagles jerseys. Well, duh, yeah, but they're, they they go to Temple. I mean, I'm just saying that they're not. This was not the men's. This was not the Phi Beta Kappa department up there. <laughs> it, you know what it was? It was more than anything else. It was shock because, and my one son is, is he lives out in Chicago and he's very funny because I always call him up and I'm like, all right, what do you think? And he's always got a little bit of a skewed look at things. Um, which always helps me kind of understand stuff in sports a little better. He said, I'm, I'm nervous. I feel bad. I said, why? He goes, because everybody in Philadelphia thinks the Eagles are going to win. No one even entertained the possibility that they could lose. When they played the, the, the Patriots in the first Super Bowl, that, uh, that the one that they won, everybody's like, all right, backup quarterback, house money, lucky to be here, yada, yada, yada. This one was, we're winning, we're the better team, we're winning, we're the better team. So everybody was just depressed. My son, my other son, who was downtown at a party, um, America's guest catered party, you know, booze, food, the whole thing. Doesn't cost him a dollar. He's taking the L back to his house, and he's like, everybody was just real quiet, real somber. Um, it was, it was, it was stunned. People were stunned. They, they weren't even, they weren't even like angry, screaming and yelling. They crushed. It was a lot of people. You know, the NFL's rigged. Um, <laughs> but. But it wasn't like people got went to the streets and tried to overturn buildings or anything. Hey, are there a lot of ex-Eagles uh, that hang around there in Philadelphia? Yeah, Jaworski's around here. Harold Carmichael works for the team. They, there, there's, yeah, Brian Westbrook's in the area all the time. 
Um, I don't know if McNabb lives around here or not, if he's gone back to Chicago. But, the, you know, they're, they're the ones that win, yeah, they're smart. They stick around because it's yeah. like, you know, they're they're gods. Yeah. Well, would would McNabb be considered that? He, I feel like he had an unfair run there for a guy. They got to four NFC title games, and they did get to a Super Bowl. I know they lost, but he, he certainly did a lot in that city to receive the amount of heat he received. I think he got. They got to five. I think they they lost they to the five? Rams twice. They lost to the Buccaneers. They lost to the um, the, the Carolina Panthers, and then they beat somebody. Um, and they, but they they he got. It started with a knucklehead who's retiring after this week, Angelo Cataldi on the radio, yeah. who took a group of thirty miscreants up to the Garden for the draft to celebrate the, the selection of Ricky Williams. And when the Eagles selected McNabb, who, if you'll remember, played in a weird offense at, at Syracuse, it was like an option offense, and he didn't throw it, you know, all that much. He was an accurate thrower, but they didn't just throw it that much, and they thought he was a college quarterback who couldn't make the transfer transformation to the NFL. They booed him, and this guy, for his entire career, led led this entire radio station's um, listenership, and they were it was the only one in town at the time into an anti-McNabb froth. And anytime he did anything wrong, McNabb, and he's only the greatest quarterback in the history of the, of the franchise, anytime he did anything wrong, they jumped all over him. So, yeah, he, he's not looked at as, as somebody who and, – and, and look, let's face it, and, 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 and you know, I'm just laying it on the line, in Philadelphia, black quarterbacks are not universally loved. So he, he has a tough time. <clears throat> hey, what, I saw a clip on Twitter of a, of a broadcast out of Philly on, on one of the stations out there, and I don't know who the guy was, older white guy – Post game, and he would look like he might have been with a former player, and he dropped the BS. Oh, yeah. Michael Barkan, yeah, I've worked with him a lot. Nicest guy in the world. It's really funny. <laughs> he lost his guy, and, and he's sitting there with former Eagle um, uh, Barrett Brooks, and he's just dropping f bombs. And it's like and Brooks on is TV. sitting there going, "Yeah, are you kidding me?" Now I guess he was living on the seven second delay, but you know Brooks was saying, "I, I can't believe this." You know, part of that's performative, right? You got to tap into the anger of the listeners and viewers, so that therefore they you're one of them. But yeah, it was it was a little stunning, shocking to see, especially that guy whom I did I did dozens of television appearances with um, <laughs> back in the day, just going bananas on TV. I, heard, yeah. I didn't hear the f bomb, but I heard him say. And then they come up with this BS call, but he didn't say B. He said the word, and and the yeah. look on the face of the guy that was with him, his eyes just got big, like beautiful. Uh oh. Uh oh, yep. there it was. Yeah, so I don't know. We kind of danced around. Is Bradbury considered a traitor for admitting to the hold there? In, no, not in at all. He's, he's considered a stand-up guy. Yeah. Okay. I got we're, a ton we're, of respect for that. I guy. just thought Philly would maybe turn it around some way. No, but, no, no. Stop it. I mean, you wait, don't admit on, to now. nothing. <laughs> What's that? You don't admit to nothing. Well, that's the mob, right? Exactly. You kept your, you took your pitch like a man. You your mouth shut, and you didn't rat on your friends. I'm mad at you. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I, I'd give him credit to, for him to be the, the you know in the center of what everybody was calling the reason they lost the game, which I disagree with. But for him to go up there and go, yeah, I held him. I pulled his jersey. I, I was hoping they'd, they'd let it slide. I was like, man, you know what? That's that's a big deal. I, I've got a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, and that's the smart thing to say, too, because, A, there's video of you grabbing the jersey. And, and, and he's, yeah, he, he said, I hope they would. I was hoping they'd let it slide. They they didn't you know he, he kind of probably once he grabbed it he kind of realized oh and then it was like uh, all right you know it's like it's like when you're a kid and you do something and you look around and you're like did they see me 
Are they going to catch me? And they always do. Uh, somebody texting in wanting me to ask you about Matt Weiss. I was looking for new information on there, but uh, it, to me, I saw the same thing that he improperly accessed emails at Michigan. What is there something new that yeah, I'm there's missing? nothing new? I, look, here, here's what it smells like. Right. And, and again, this is speculation. I don't have any inside info, but if somebody over the, 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 the Christmas break is accessing other people's emails, it's possible that maybe he sent something to someone that he wanted to erase mm. or delete or get rid of. And who knows what it was? Was it a threat? Was it something angry? Was it a, 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 an affair of the heart? Was, who knows? But it was certainly something he accessed someone else's email that I think he was I, – I speculate that he was trying to get rid of something. It'll come mm. out at some point. But that's that's what I think it is. I got you. Okay. I mean, I may be wrong. It happened once in 1989, but um, I, I think that that would be that would be something that is plausible. Wait, there was email in 1989. No, I was wrong once. In <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. That's what I was thinking too. Email, 89. No, that, that yeah, was all handwritten. I mail. were hanging out, watching, sending emails. To each other. I was wrong in 89. <laughs> All right, so now you, now all attention gets turned to the Phillies who are going to go 162 and 0. You'll bring your sign to the stadium again? Absolutely. 162 and 0, baby. We got our opening day <laughs> tickets against the Cincinnati Reds. It's great. It's a Thursday. I don't teach, so I'll be able to just enjoy the day. Next day, I get out of Baltimore, see Springsteen. It's a beautiful Masters weekend. My well, God, it's like, how could you how could you make a better weekend? Wow, you can afford to go see Springsteen. You're making well, bank. No, well, no. Here's here's what it is. I I when when it when the real when the sale went on, I I bought four tickets in Baltimore. You know, they're not the best tickets in the in the place, and they're certainly not those five hundred dollar tickets. I can tell you that. And I'm selling. I bought. I got lucky to get four, so I kept two. I'm selling two on StubHub, hoping to turn the that sale into two tickets for the Philly show. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. You know. Bruce is a man of the people, the blue collar guy. But then no, when, he, when, when he's playing on Broadway, people were paying like seven fifty just to get into that that Broadway yeah. show he was doing. And now it's, I mean, it's it's out of control. If you go to go on StubHub when you have a second and check out the prices on the Philly tickets, it's it's ridiculous. So you know, I'm I'm thinking that since no one's going to pay that, as we get closer, the prices will go down. Uh, that's what I'm banking on. He is El Hombre, Michael Bradley. You catch him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. You can find him on Twitter, at Daily Hombre, at Daily Hombre. A stand-up guy. You gave credit to that guy that was talking smack on Twitter, and you, you gave him his props. And Had to. Yeah, stand-up individual, by God. We appreciate it, Michael. We'll, we'll talk again next week. So long, suckers. How about that very rational, reasonable take on the Super Bowl? It wasn't screaming about the officials. He was, no, it was the right call, yeah. and... <laughs> laying into the defensive coordinator, what they didn't do. It's a, I, I would say he might be in the minority out there. Yeah, he might be offended that you're so shocked, Bob. Well, I saw his his former uh, his former partner there on TV uh, dropping curse yeah. words, wow. and, and the guy sitting next to him was hilarious because his eyes got big and he's just staring straight ahead, like, "Oh boy, what do we do now?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "And that was a bleepity bleep call," and blah, blah. And I'm like, "Oh." Boy, I hope this is cable because, uh, yeah, you can get in a little trouble out there. But if you missed any of that conversation with El Hombre, you'll find it on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, is there a position where the Seahawks have the advantage that they're in better shape than the Super Bowl champion Chiefs? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.
Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to El Hombre, Michael Bradley, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys just tuned in, that conversation will be available for you on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Again, a very reasonable, rational response to the Super Bowl. Well, I, I don't know about that. I, I said I said that uh, much to the chagrin of the Eagles fans, <laughs> their D coordinator's uh, going to be the new head coach, and he was like, I don't think you know what chagrin means, yeah, because well, we're happy to get rid of him. Maybe not a reasonable response to your update, but to the actual outcome of the Super Bowl, he was... He well, was, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was actually reasonable, and like, you know, I thought he might complain about the officiating and things like that, but no. No, he didn't. I mean, I'm guessing he's... What's the matter with him? Is he feeling okay? I'm guessing he's on an island out there by himself with a bunch of angry Eagles fans. Uh, all right, so looking at the Chiefs, who did win the Super Bowl and beat his Eagles, they now looked or looked at as, well, do what the Chiefs do. How did they win? What did they do that we don't do? Whoever your favorite team is. You're, you could be a Seahawks fan, a Rams fan, a Jags fan, whatever. You didn't make it, they did. So what did they do? What do, you, what do they have that you don't? And we were we were kind of looking at the Chiefs, going, well, where where do the Seahawks have an advantage? If we're just comparing those two teams head to head, you want to go position by position, you want to go coach by coach, position group by position group. Where do the Seahawks have the advantage? Do they have the advantage anywhere? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I look at their two tackles. Now they have really good offensive tackles. The the Chiefs do, but you know we've got two young guys that you know you could make the argument for that, but. I don't know. Their offensive line was awfully good. I mean, like we talked about, they did not allow any sacks from the team that had 70 during the season. Um, And by the way, this conversation is not entirely ridiculous. I think there has been overreaction to who wins the Super Bowl, what's the formula, how did they get there. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to, to 2013, the best offense I think in NFL history. I'm trying yep. to remember the they numbers. Were, they Denver were setting was, the record. They set the record for points scored, I believe. Denver Broncos were yeah. putting up ridiculous numbers. And then the Seahawks were in the midst of an epic run where they were going to be number one on defense for four years in a row, uh, yeah. scoring, scoring points defense. Allowed. Yeah. So, you know, and the, the Seahawks just crushed them. Absolutely crushed him. Two years later, the Broncos come back to the Super Bowl with the number one defense. And they beat Carolina. So, I mean, like I said, it's not ridiculously over the top to think, okay, this is, you know, the formula. But, you know, I've always thought running the ball, being a dominant running game, having that, and then a dominant defense is really going to get you most of the way there. You know, so um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of of overdoing it this year. Because if if you think back to that, I mean, there's been some other examples, but that one was pretty obvious that John Elway built that team for defense two years later, and then right. they came back and won it all. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's that. I, I think if you look in the running, uh, the running back position, mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco was awfully good, awfully good, but he didn't have the kind of n- uh, numbers that Ken Williams had. Walker. Walker. Ken Walker had <laughs> Ken Williams. You're going back to Chicago's GM. You're... He was number nine at Stanford. Ken Williams. Stuck on that guy. Yeah. Ken Williams uh, Yeah, came, became the uh, the GM of the, the White Sox. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that's one. Ken Walker is one area where you could say they probably had a little bit better running game, better running back. And then you, you, you brought up the wide receivers. The receivers. And then I throw Tariq Woolen in there. Yeah. He was better than 
They had a rookie corner and another yeah. guy that's been around. Legarius Sneed was very good, but, but he wasn't as good as Tariq was. Yeah, I mean, Tariq was a finalist for Defensive Rookie of the Year, even though it was already yeah. you know predetermined Sauce Gardner was going to get it because the NFL's rigged. Uh, but uh, well, they're in that regard anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, we're you know what are we talking about? Four players there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and the biggest uh, for me, and I think you agree with this, the biggest gap between the two teams is on defense, especially the front seven. Yeah, because, you know, I would say if everybody's healthy, I mean, you know, look, this is a big if because we don't know what Jamal Adams healthy would have done. But I've always felt, you know, until Quandre Diggs got hurt, came back, didn't have the kind of year that we thought, uh, Jamal Adams gets hurt. Those two, I think the safeties have always been really good. And now you're starting to get you know, corners. I mean, you got a nickel corner that's really good, and he's really young, and Kobe Bryant. And then you've got, uh, you know, the Tariq Woolen. You've got maybe Trey Brown. We'll see who develops that. Michael Jackson, I think, is is a really underrated player. So their defensive backs really good. And then I would say if Jordan Brooks finished the season healthy, I'd say he's as good as Willie Gay. You know, I don't. I don't know about Nick, Nick Bolton. Bolton. Nick Bolton's put up some pretty decent numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. he makes lots of plays, and he's just in his second year. But they feel deeper. Maybe, maybe Brooks could be more talented, but just the collection yeah. that they have, like their group of linebackers versus the yeah. Seahawks group of linebackers. Yeah. So, and then Karlaftis, who's a, an edge rusher, more of a sort of a defensive end, but I think he's is he listed of, as a linebacker or defensive? I want to say I've he? seen him listed as a linebacker before. Who's but, the other one? Harris. They had another linebacker. I thought his name was. I might, yeah. have, I might have his last name wrong. I, I don't think anybody Harris. that was you know better than what we had here. Yeah. So but yeah, I would I would throw that in there. But yeah, and then you know the two tackles a lot more hopefulness. So I mean, you look at what Kansas City and we talked about this at the start of the show that one of the things that they did that the Seahawks can actually sort of emulate is that they've drafted really well. I mean, and that's what the Seahawks have done the last last couple of years. They've gotten lots out of their draft and they got a really big one coming here and if you look at going back the last 3 years and their 2020 draft was a lot better than the Seahawks. That's that's for sure. Um but, you know, that you've got a lot of young guys that like Andrew Brandt was talking about, you know, if you get half your guys on your roster on some kind of a rookie deal yeah. in their first 4 years, you know, you're looking at maybe an average of a million Maybe maybe a million and a half of those half of your roster that leaves you a pretty good amount of room. If, if we talked about the Seahawks, what did we say? They have four picks in the top fifty-three. Was that the top number fifty-three or fifty-seven, something like that? Yeah. It almost feels unless they've got a real strong feeling about a quarterback, those should all be defense. Should they not? I've seen a couple of mock drafts that have them taking a receiver with the second pick, the twentieth overall. Mm. Which again, I'll go. I'll defer to John and Pete, and if that's what they, that's what they see there, and they they've got a passion for that guy and are inspired by that player being there, okay. But that would seem counterintuitive to me, based on the number of spots that it seems like they need to fill on the defensive side, from the front to the linebackers. To you know, it just it feels like the needs are pretty pressing on that side of the ball. To where if they went offense with anything other than a quarterback. I'd be a little surprised. Would you? Well, I, I guess um, you know anything other than defense in in those first in the first fifty three, those yeah. first four picks. Let's say they don't trade; they use them. They because you obviously, if they trade back, they're going to accumulate more. But hypothetically, four yeah. picks, top fifty three. I feel outside of a quarterback. Yeah, 
I would be surprised if any of those picks were on the offensive side. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a guard picked. You know, if you get some really kick-ass guy that's like, you know, Damian Lewis that can squat 675 pounds or, or whatever. maybe a center. Yeah. I mean, if they, they find a guy like that that's a big, you know, big dude that's just, you know, strong and, you know, smart guy. Yeah, I could see them. And and actually, that's kind of how I envision it going. I feel like there's going to be, if there's four picks, I feel like one on the offensive line and three on the either D-line or D-end situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that would uh, that would make me happy. But you're right. I mean, if they draft a receiver, I mean, it, it could end up being like A.J. Brown, you know, some ridiculous guy that just can, you know, make plays and you you look back later and go, yeah, I see why they picked that guy. Yeah. Right. That guy would look good in a Titans uniform, wouldn't he? Oh, wait. <laughs> That's right. They traded him away. And then their GM got this, fired. The day of love. <laughs> the day of love. What did they get in exchange for him again? They get a bunch got, of draft capital? They, or? they proceeded to draft a wide receiver with that pick. They just got one pick in they exchange? They just got the first-round pick from mm. the from the Eagles. Who did they take? Traylon Burks, who did and, nothing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They had the worst receivers in NFL history this year. <laughs> Whoa. NFL no, history. No, statistically, they did. <laughs> no. I yes. mean, not back like in the 70s. Are no. you talking about like pre? Like modern NFL history. Like their receivers combined for the fewest receiving yards since some, uh, I don't know, some stat when they kept track of. Blah, they, blah, blah, since blah. they started keeping stats. Yeah. Since know. stats were invented. I just since can't the believe. Since pass was invented, Dave. Well, I just can't believe, you know, maybe you're talking about like the 16-game season, but, I mean, you're telling me that they didn't have more passing yards than like a team from the 60s or 70s? Whatever the modern NFL is. I don't know. Okay. I can't in the 70s. I can't imagine your 2-14 and 14 Seahawks had a lot of passing yards. Let's that was not a up. good offense. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah, let's, let's okay. look, look it up. up the Seahawks yeah. receivers. Yeah, yeah, look up the 2-14. Uh, what year was that? We're going to do that. 1980 what? 92? 92. 92 Seahawks. Yeah. See what their, their receiver totals were compared to. How many to games you played? Do you play 16 then, or is it yeah. still 12? 2-14. and 14. <laughs> See, now he's just being disrespectful yeah. Yeah. because I, I questioned him. Yeah, let's, All right, I'm we'll curious. We'll look at it during the break. And All right, we'll, we'll find the answer to that. Plus, we'll finish our look at the rule changes coming to baseball this season and which ones are going to have the biggest impact this season. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, we were going to talk about some of the rule changes in Major League Baseball, but we've got Thumb in one room. We got Dave Wyman in this room, and they are both with their noses buried into their computers, desperately trying to dig up stats to see if the Titans of 2022 were more inept as far as a receiving group collectively than yeah. the Seahawks of 1992, a Seahawks team that went 2-14. and 14. So it's a really desperate argument over whose team sucks. Okay, and it's not good, but I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, your top two wide receivers, only wide receiver yardage. No tight ends. Just no tight receivers. ends, no running backs. Otherwise, John L. Williams, a.k.a. Chumley. Uh, Mr. Whoopi, you're the greatest. Come on, Chumley, let's go. Uh, it was Tennessee Tuxedo. He looked exactly like Chumley. Um, but yeah, two wide receivers, which would be Robert uh, Woods and Traylon Burks, both exceeded the entire wide receiver group for the Seahawks, who had 945 yards in receiving. Wow. Total for the season. Tommy Kane, 369. 
He was the leader. Oh, my goodness. Then you had uh, somebody at 85. I think that was Doug Thomas, 256, 136. So total of 945. And you have more than that with your first two. I can look at the rest of them if you want, but Please. I already I already won. <laughs> Those are old school stats. I'm talking about you, new school. I'm talking new school stats. How do you new win? School. You win by sucking, right? <laughs> you had Cody Hollister at 54 yards. Uh, he only played in, or he only had 11 games that he. He played only had in. three catches. Yeah. Dave, is this why receivers don't want to come on our show? Because you keep saying how much they're not good. Do they not want to come on our show? I don't know. Have we had any receivers from those teams on our show yet? See, oh, you're talking get, from the old school Seahawks? Yeah. Oh, Dave get, keeps talking about how bad they are. I can get Sweet Lou Clark. Sweet Lou works for the uh, Chargers. Where, where's uh, Tommy Kane and Brian Blades these days? Tommy Kane, I believe, is in prison. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Brian right. Blades, I do not know. I've not heard from Brian in a long time. When he came in. And his he brother was, Benny. Yeah. Benny, was, Benny Blades was a good safety. Lions. Yep, uh, but when Brian came in, he was such a good rookie. I think he was a second-round draft choice, but his his first year was 80, 88 or 89, and he was just just a stud, really mm. good player. But So I think we've come to the conclusion you win because in terms of <laughs> futility for a wide well, receiver group. <laughs> Mike was like, ever. It's like, you know, everything is to the extreme with Mike and his Titans. He's like, yeah, come on, like 1960 when they didn't even throw the ball. I mean <laughs> – Maybe that's just for this year. They were the worst receiving group this year. They certainly were this year. His wide receivers were not second good. worst all time. Then there we go. No, <laughs> Dave's are the worst. No, I'm not going to go and look up how many. You're probably like at maybe a hundred or something. Hundred and five worst. It, it, the, looking at the numbers, though, I will give him this. It's pretty awful. I mean, the biggest producer in terms of receiving touchdowns was a running back, Dontrell Hillard. Hilliard. He had yeah. four. Yeah, their best receivers were tight ends and then a running back. Well, well the running back had the yeah. most receiving touchdowns. And that was the same thing with the Seahawks. I mean, if you threw um, John L. Jumley in there, yeah, John L. Williams, I mean, he had he had lot. He was a great receiver, man. He had 556 yards receiving and rushing. Uh, I think he only had like 350 or something like that. But, um, but yeah, John L. Williams... He he really did was built just like Chumley from Tennessee Tuxedo. I don't know what that is. But yeah, if you ever that, look it up, is that a cartoon? Yeah, it's a okay. Yeah, you didn't hear me. Well, I heard the voice, Mr. Whoopi. But... You're the greatest. Now, come on, Chumley, let's go. It That's could have Tennessee been old, Tuxedo, man. Could have been old school TV show. I don't yeah. know. Could have been like Leave It to Beaver <laughs> or something. But you know, uh, John L. Williams would like get right off the bass boat. Like that's what he did in the off season, mm. much like we heard about Luis Castillo, right? You know that like that's he's somewhere on a boat, uh, slitting the neck of an alligator or something like that, <laughs> and then he would show up and play himself into shape, and just, he was fantastic, softest hands ever. He's one of the all time best uh, receiving running backs, but yeah, when you have to rely on that too much, then. It's, it's a, not a good thing. It is a bad collection, though. He's right. Robert Woods led the team with 53 catches Yeah, for 527 yards and two touchdowns. And then the next leading receiver, because Austin Hooper's next, Derrick Henry, your running back. Derrick Henry was your only threat on offense, it appears. And he had a – that's Gee, pretty impressive. That makes his season even more impressive because there really wasn't the threat of a run or a, a pass. There, he's He's your biggest – thing you got to worry about is an opponent and he still ran for 1500 yards and 13 touchdowns yeah he's good coming off that year he should have been the comeback player of the year i'm sorry 
coming yeah. off. You a had year. a case. You should be a voter now. I, he was my pick. We're going to get Rob Motti back on here, the AP guy. Demand an explanation for the Seahawks. And he did not it in winning, 16 games, not 17. He did it. He played 16 games. Yeah. That's it. Coming back from an injury and going 1,500 yards in an offense that had zero threat as a passing offense, and you still ran for that much and, and 13 touchdowns, that is huge. That dude's a freight train. Goodness. Man, the last thing you're going to leave me with is hearing you say over and over, zero threat on Well, offense. but you're right. I wasn't okay, paying much attention. Yeah, uh, wow. I mean, Ryan Tannehill threw for 2,500 yards, 13 touchdowns, six picks in 12 games. He was not good. It, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's all Derrick Henry. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> well, at least Titan fans, right? Yeah, what was... Uh, what there was... aren't many out here. That's good, at least. Tractorcito. He was uh, nicknamed Tractorcito by the uh, Spanish-speaking uh, broadcast. Who Derrick Henry was? Little Tractor. Little Tractor. Yeah, Derrick Henry. Yeah, the dude is a stud. Or the king. Yeah. That was pretty good. He deserves he deserves more praise than I think he got for what he did this season. Thank you. Well, I'll, get then, you I'll get you a jersey. <laughs> I, I, I love Derrick yeah. Henry, man, but I just didn't realize how how lacking they were in other offensive areas. I wasn't paying attention to the Titans. So now do you feel uh, left coast pain? Thank you. I was about to say, do I get a little more respect yeah. for my uh, <laughs> complaining about how bad my team is? Yeah, but are. you complain about every team. Yeah. Maybe it's just because They're every bad. team, Mike, it just sucks. You know, it's like oh, it's back on me again. Yeah, <laughs> you, you leave a wake of maybe it's your attitude. You need to <laughs> oh. need to pick it up a little bit. Your negative attitude. So those yeah. MLB rule changes, we'll get to them. Tomorrow. We'll get to them yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah this was this was much more entertaining, much, much more important, and and really just developing more of an appreciation for a Derrick Henry season. It really is impressive. All right. We'll come back, get Mark Schlereth's thoughts on the Super Bowl and the big stories of the NFL offseason. That's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.